Good to see you guys. Hey, if you're a guest, I also want to welcome you. Pumped that you're here. You're actually walking into a conversation that's been going on for uh, two, two weeks now. This is week three of Fast Forward, and uh, if you don't know what Fast Forward is, it's a, it's a season that we've got. This is our third time doing it in a season of um, prayer and fasting. And uh, it, like the shortest way I know how to describe each is prayer is connecting to God, and fasting is essentially disconnecting from life as normal. It's disconnecting from the world. And so a lot of us are fasting, doing a lifestyle fast right now, and it seems like the three most common things that we're stepping away from these three weeks are Netflix, Facebook, and alcohol. <laughs> so that gives you kind of a picture of mosaic, you know? So that's uh, a lot of us are stepping away to carve out more space for prayer. Um, and then a lot of us are actually choosing to uh, fast from food one day a week. And what we're doing is essentially like, it's like a jolt to your system. It's like tilling up the soil of your heart and seeking God's direction for us as individuals and families, and also for us as a community, seeking God's direction, his blessing, and his leading. And so that's what we've been doing. And, and if you know anything about me, like I love talking about prayer, and, and I love teaching about prayer. It might be one of my favorite things to talk about because it's so changed my life. And so we've talked about, you know, effective and ineffective ways to pray. And, and there are prayers that God tends to answer more often with a yes, and there's prayers that God will always answer with a no. But when it comes down to it, prayer is really, there is a mysterious quality to prayer. Um, prayer is, is a mystery. Um, Albert Einstein was once asked by a student at Princeton this question. The student asked him, what is there left in the world for original dissertation research? And this is what Einstein said. He said, find out about prayer. He said, somebody must find out uh, about prayer. Right? And so there is this, uh, this mysterious, mysterious quality to prayer that cannot be explained. And oftentimes, one of the hardest parts about prayer is it does involve a lot of waiting, right? And we as Americans are not particularly good at waiting, are we? We don't like waiting. Do not like waiting in lines. We do not like waiting in traffic, right? We like our food fast. You know, have you ever like sat in a drive-thru, you know, and it takes longer than you expected? If you're like me, it takes no time for you to get very angry. You know, it's like, hey, you know who puts the fast in fast food? Not McDonald's, to tell you that much, you know. And it's just like we get so frustrated, right? We want our cell phone covers to be fast, right? We want our computers to be fast. The moment we get that spinning wheel of death, it's just like, well, this is bull crap. You know what I mean? Like, so fast. You know, but so often prayer, prayer is praying and waiting. And so it's hard for us, you know, because of the, just the culture in which we are a part. A comedian, Russian comedian, Yakov Smirnov immigrated to the U.S. and he said that the thing that he loved most about Americans in this country is our stores. And he said this, he said, I'll never forget walking down one of the aisles and seeing powdered milk, right? Just add water and boom, you get milk. He said, and right next to it was powdered orange juice. You just add water and boom, you get orange juice. Then I saw baby powder and I thought to myself, what a country. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Right, and so, you know, when it comes to, to prayer, um, I think if we could, like, sit down and, and all of us could share about our experiences in prayer, you would find, like, a wide variety of experiences. And some of us would be able to describe experiences when God showed up in an unexplainable way. And His presence was so immediate and so powerful that we could not deny that God is real and that He was present in that moment. Right, or for others of us, we would be able to share a time when we maybe prayed for something very, very specific and it seemed unattainable, and then God came through in a way that we could only describe as God, you know? But I think if there's one experience that probably, well, not probably, that every single one of us could share, one universal experience as it relates to prayer, 
is a time in which we cried out to God, right? And we prayed for him to intervene, and we asked him to do something, and we needed that something, and he didn't show up. You know, and he didn't come through for us the way that we wanted or we needed, right? Just crickets, you know? And that's like the one thing that if you haven't experienced it, you will. We all will. And I'll never forget getting a phone call from somebody very, very close to us, a family member, and uh, they were getting ready to have a baby, and we got a phone call, and they said, hey, something's not right. Um, the levels are off, and the doctors are worried, and, and they're, they're thinking um, maybe the worst at this point. And they said, so please pray with us, you know? And, and so we as a family like, got on our knees, and we just started praying, right? We started praying for that little one. And I, I'll never forget, and it was my brother, just saying, like, we're not going to let this baby be taken from us. You know, and he seemed like so sure, you know, it's like God is, is good. He's loving. He can do anything. He is all powerful, right? These levels mean nothing if God chooses to intervene. And so we're not giving up on our child. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed, right? And I'll never forget a few weeks later getting another phone call saying that they lost the child, right? And that's, that's, a, that's an experience we've had to walk through three times with our family, you know, and, and all of us have been there, right? Where it's just like you cry out to God and it's just like, what, what the heck? You know, it's like, I thought you were good. I thought you were loving. I thought you were powerful. I thought you wanted what was best for your kids. So what gives? Right, all of us have been there. And if you haven't been there, you will be. Right, and so what, what are we as followers of Jesus to do with that? You know, and, and I think this is such an important conversation because you know, in, in the Christian world, I think sometimes we buy into this idea that, you know, if you, if you were doing it right, God would answer. You know, because you look over and there's certain people and it seems like when they pray, like God moves. You know, like when, when they cry out to God, like God responds faithfully and, and he seems to do the miraculous and they're so blessed and they have all these things that you want or you need, you know, and they've got that. And then you look at your life and you're like, something's not adding up here, right? And there's certain tribes within Christianity that say like, well, it's really on you. You know, you don't have enough faith. You know what I mean? If it, your faith is somehow broken. If you're doing this right, if you're praying right, if you just believed enough, God would respond to your prayers like he responds to theirs. And, and nothing could be further from the truth. You know, and, I, and this is like one of the reasons I, there, you know, there's, tri- I have such a, I get really frustrated sometimes, right? Because there's tribes within Christianity where it's just like, name it and claim it, baby. You've got the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, just, just you just claim that. And if you do it right, man, God's going to deliver Right? And by the way, this is one of the reasons I have serious issues with Joel Osteen. Please, for the love of God, stop quoting him on social media. Every time you do, an angel dies, just so you know. And I lose a year of my life, you know? I mean, seriously, you know? And it's just like, he seems like a really swell guy. The problem is a lot of what he teaches, it's just not in here. You know what I mean? And it's misleading to say, like, man, if you just were positive enough, and you just believed enough, you just had enough faith, then God would just, he'd just give you all your dreams, you know, and, and when we buy that, and then when God doesn't come through, of course there's disillusionment. Right? Of course there's discouragement. Right? Even if you don't believe in God, I venture to guess there's people in this room or tuning in online, right, and you don't necessarily believe in God, or you believe in God and you're not sure that Jesus is Him. And I, for many of us, I talked to a lot of atheists that went through some real hell, and they cried out to God, and then God didn't come through for them. And that's part of the reason they struggle to believe. And every time that we say this, and give off this idea that that's really on you. If you're doing it right, God would say yes. We're misleading ourselves. All right, so that's where I want to start this morning. You need to know this to begin with. Unanswered prayer does not mean your faith is broken. 
It does not mean that you're doing it wrong. It doesn't necessarily mean there is anything wrong with you. In fact, the Bible includes many, many men and women who loved God, who sought to be faithful to God, and God did not come through for them in the way that they wanted. All right, give you some examples. Right, Moses. Right, Moses faithfully leads God's people as they whine for 40 years through the desert, right? And he's crying out to God, like, please don't kill them. You know what I mean? And, he, and like, just, I understand. Like, I want to some days, you know, but please spare their lives. For 40 years, he intercedes for those guys. For 40 years, he's faithful. And then at the end of his life, he begs God to let him go through and be a part of crossing the Jordan into the promised land. And God says, nope. Right? And he's so frustrated, there's four times when he's speaking to God's people. And he lashes out and he blames them. He's like, this is all your fault. Because God wasn't going to come through for him in the way that he wanted. Right? King David spent a week not eating, prostrate, on the ground, crying out to God to spare the life of his child. And God said no. Right? And he and Bathsheba's baby died. Right, four characters in the Old Testament, Moses, Job, Jonah, and Elijah, all asked God to take their life. Right, they were suicidal. They said, I just want to die. And fortunately, God didn't answer that prayer either. Right, several times, the armies of Israel, right, they, they prayed to God to give them victory, to walk with them into battle, and they got annihilated. And then they struggled to make sense of it. Did we not do something right? Were we not faithful? Did we not believe enough? Is there sin in the camp? What did we do wrong? Rarely were there answers. Right, the prophet Habakkuk prayed for deliverance from the Babylonians, and Jeremiah prayed that Jerusalem would not be destroyed. Both of their prayers did not go answered. The temple was destroyed. They were taken into exile, and both of them struggled to make sense of it and explain to God's people why the heck God didn't come through for them in the way that they desired. Right, the disciples made numerous requests to Jesus that, did not, that Jesus did not answer in the way that they wanted. Right, the Apostle Paul had his own share of unanswered prayers. Right? If you read his prayers for the church, right, he's got this beautiful picture of what the church was meant to be. And then you read like, his letters and you realize real fast that it did not like, flesh out that way. It was a mess. Right? And so many of those prayers did not, they weren't what exactly Paul was dreaming about. Right? The church is just a beautiful mess. Sometimes it's a little less beautiful uh, than it is ugly. Right? And, and then we're told that he also had some kind of ailment or handicap, and he cried out to God, God, take this away, this thorn in my side. Please deliver me from this. This is affecting my life. It's affecting my ministry. I'm suffering here. And God said, nope. Right? Do you, do, have you ever thought about this, that Jesus had to deal with unanswered prayer? Right? If you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's crying out to God. And he's overwhelmed with grief and anxiety, and he says, Lord God, if there's any way other way for this thing to go down. Let's do that. Right, please take this cup from me. Right now he adds a very powerful addendum. He says, but not my will, but yours be done. Right, but God, that first prayer request, God says no. Right, part of my plan for this world is going to require for me to say no to that prayer. And I am eternally grateful that God did not say yes to that. So all that to say, Right? If you are, find yourself wrestling with unanswered prayer where God has not come through yet or didn't come through for you in the way that you desired, you need to know that does not mean that there's anything wrong with you. It does not mean that God is absent. It does not mean that God is not good. It does not mean that God does not care. Right? It means that he knows some things, he knows many things that you and I don't. This is what we find in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts 
than your thoughts. Right? In other words, uh, we're not always going to understand how God works. We're not always going to understand what He's up to. And we're not always going to understand why He chooses to move here and move there and, and work this out this way and not work it out that way. Um, and part of the challenge and part of the growth process for all of us is trying to come to a point where we can trust Him enough to be okay with that. Right? And this is one of those things I've had to learn the hard way. Right? And if you've been around Mosaic for a while, you've heard this before, and I, I apologize for repeating myself, but I'm one guy. I've only got so many stories. I'm just living one life here. But, but one of the ways that I had to learn this hard way is, you know, if you rewind the clock back about 10 years, uh, we were actually being sent out to plant a church in Lincoln. Uh, that was not Mosaic. It was called Canale. And uh, we were so excited. And this was something we had been praying about for a long time. It was a calling that had been affirmed on my life uh, by a number of older, wiser mentors. And for a year, we poured ourselves into this thing. And we gathered a launch team and we raised funds. And I mean, we worked the strategic plan. I left my job like this was it. This was the dream. This was the call. We didn't want anything else. And we had no plan B. You know, and along the way, you got to know, like, I'm, I was young. You know, like, I'm young now. Like, if you can imagine, like, 10 years ago, <laughs> I was really young then. You know, and so I felt like I did not feel qualified. I knew I was too young and not educated enough and not experienced enough and not mature enough and not a lot of things enough. But every step of the way, as we prayed as a team and as, as I prayed and Megan and I prayed, like, we just felt like God was like, yeah, you're right about all those things, but I'm still calling you to do this. Still calling you to do this. Just say yes, you know, follow me. And so we did. And I'll never forget, we were about six weeks out from launch, and we met at what, is, what used to be the Villager Hotel over on, like, you know, 50th and O Street. And we're in there, and we do a mock setup, and we're praying over the space. And it was supposed to be, like, this really exciting night, but something in me was off. You know, and I tried to, like, talk myself out of it, you know. It's just like, oh, I must have eaten some for lunch. That doesn't agree with me. Maybe I'm coming down with something. But that feeling grew in the days and weeks to come. And it grew, and I knew, you know, in the back of my mind, I knew, like, something is wrong here. Something is telling me that we're not supposed to do this, which is the opposite of everything I had sensed God calling us to do, you know, and everything I had sensed God saying for a year. And all of a sudden, it was like God flipped the switch. It was like, oh, yeah, never mind. You know, now that you put yourself out here, people have trusted you. I knew it was not going to reflect well on me. I was going to look like a flake, right? My reputation was at stake, and I knew it was not going to go down well. And to make a long story short, we... We pulled the plug and we walked away. And I went into one of the darkest seasons. I think I can easily, I think I can say the darkest season of my life. And it's not that I didn't believe that God existed. It's that I did not believe he was good. I felt like I was a puppet that he had just, just shamed. He's just using to, <laughs> me to, to embarrass me or something. You know, and I took a, a job working overnights to provide for my family. I was incredibly depressed. I was incredibly lonely. I had no plan for my life. I was completely lost. Our marriage was in a very, very rough place. We had Paige during that time, and I, I was not enjoying being a dad. I was a really bad dad during that season. And we were lost. And I had a lot of R-rated conversations with God in those months that followed. And I shouldn't even say conversations. It was more just me screaming F-words into the darkness, you know, and waving my finger at God. Because in that season, it was like God was gone. Not, not that he was like close and like, hey, eventually you'll understand. It was like crickets. You know, like I was completely alone. It's just like, what in the world gives? I don't like you. I don't trust you. And I had like revisited what I believed and what I didn't believe. And then a few months later, some details came to the surface. 
that were going on all along that I was not privy to with some of the leaders that were a part of that church plant. And they were the kind of decisions that destroy marriages and tear apart church plants. And I knew that at the age of 24, I did not have the ability to lead through something like that. And had we gone forward, there would have been shrapnel hitting everybody involved. It would have been such a mess. And that church plant would have made it. And rather than me just suffering through my own disappointment and disillusionment, there would have been a lot of hurting people. And in a moment, my prayers went from, what the hell, God? To adopting Job's prayer of, please forgive me, Lord, for I know not of what I speak. You know, I had to learn that there are, that God, all along, He saw what I could not see. And He understood things that I could not understand. Right? And He knew things that I could not No. In Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. It says, God does everything just right and on time, but people can never completely understand. People can never completely understand what He is doing. Right? And so just know when God doesn't come through in the way that you hoped or you needed Him to, it does not mean that your faith is broken. Secondly, just as importantly for us to know that is this. When we pray... There's a lot more going on than meets the eye. A lot more going on than simply you sitting and throwing some prayers up and waiting. A lot more. Right, there is, you've, if you've been around the last couple of weeks, you've heard me say this before, but there is a spiritual battle that is raging against good and evil, angels and demons, God and Satan. In fact, this is what we read in Ephesians 6.12 when we read this the first week. It says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And I know we get really weird about this, <laughs> you know, especially if you're remotely skeptical, because we're good Americans, right? We've progressed I, I, beyond this. You know, this is the kind of hocus-pocus that undeveloped countries, right, still buy into, people without Wi-Fi, you know, or smartphones. But not us. Not us. Right? We're beyond that. And I'm, I'm just friends. You've got to know something, okay? I'm... People who know me know that I'm pretty level-headed. You know, I, don't, I did not grow up in a tradition where, you know, we prayed about one pair of underwear to, to wear each day, you know, and blamed every problem and nuisance on the devil. Like, that's not my background at all, right? That's, that's not it, right? And so I get it, but, if, man, if you think that the only realities of this world are the things that you can see, touch, and measure, you're sadly mistaken, right? The Bible says that, that we are in the crossfires of a battle that's going on all the time, and we can't often see it, and we can't often feel it. We are not always privy to it, but it is going on. And so week one, I, said, you know, I just kind of put out a disclaimer and a warning saying, look, if you don't believe that Satan is real and that there's cosmological evil, just follow us. Lean into prayer and follow us for the next couple weeks. And I'll tell you, the enemy is not disappointed. Right? So if, if, you're on, if you've been on Periscope... You know, you've heard some of this before. A number of a lot of you I know aren't. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was getting ready to drive up to last Sunday night. I was driving up to the Twin Cities, and I hopped on Periscope real quick, and I just said, "Hey, I'm going to be on the road for seven hours, and I'd love to pray for anybody who wants prayer. Email me here, and I'd love to pray for you over the next several hours." And a couple of people hopped on, and one of them claimed to be a Satanist, and he says, "You can't pray for me." You know, so well, I'm definitely going to be praying for you. You know, and. Uh, and he said something really interesting, and I didn't catch it live because I was driving, which I probably shouldn't drive in Periscope, I know. But uh, a number of you have made that clear. But, um, 
you know, but while I was driving, he said, you know, if you pray for me, bad things are going to happen. And somebody called me immediately and said, hey, did you see that? You know, and started rallying people to pray. And you got to know, like, I don't put a ton of stock in that. It could just be an internet troll, you know, looking to make waves. But there could also be some legitimacy to that. And because I believe spiritual warfare is real, um, I don't just shrug that stuff off, you know. And so I went to prayer. And as I was driving, I prayed boldly uh, for this guy, wherever he is, whoever he is. And people started praying for my safety and praying for Megan and I. It's very, very interesting. Driving up to the Twin Cities, uh, I was almost in two, not one, but two major accidents. Um, The first one, we were going 80 miles per hour. I was going 80 miles per hour. I don't know how fast everybody else is going. A little bit slower than that. But we came to a screeching halt, and I had to actually veer off the road and down into the ditch a little bit to avoid the cars in front of me. Right, that was the first one. The second one, I was driving, and there's a, I was in the left lane coming up on a semi pretty fast, and the tire closest to me exploded. And big chunks of tire very quickly started coming at me and the car right in front of me. And again, we, had, we both almost hit each other and had to swerve off the road to miss the tires. Right, I don't know, coincidence? Maybe. Right, but that night, it was very interesting. That night I went to bed, and I, wo- I had very, very vivid, violent dreams about violence against my children. And I woke up in the middle of the night, and I've been doing this long enough, like there was a very a spiritual heaviness in that room, and I, I started praying. And unbeknownst to me, at the exact same time, Megan was going through very similar things at home in a different state. Right the next night, uh, I had vivid uh, dreams as well. In fact, Megan and I had the exact same dream. And it was an assault on our marriage. Right? And I've talked to a number of people since who have approached me and said, Hey, just so you know, that night, that night, same things going on in our home. You need to know, I don't dream usually. And I certainly don't have violent dreams or scary dreams. Right? But this kind of thing has been hap- happening the last, the last couple of weeks. Coincidence? <laughs> maybe. Uh, but maybe not. You know, it was a coincidence that, you know, our computers were working just fine. <laughs> working just fine last night and this morning. I put them all together, get here, they don't work. You know, and the, there was a night we did, a, we did the Periscope talking about spiritual warfare, and I was sharing some of this and teaching on spiritual warfare. And we had 200 people get in on that call. All but about 10 people got kicked out, right? And these, these Periscopes record, and you can watch the recording for 24 hours, Right? And as I was sharing, there's only about five minutes to it, and I went for 30 minutes, right? and I shared a quote by Kevin Spacey when he says, you know, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. It cut off right there. Coincidence? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Right? The next night, so we talked about it again. Right? And, and it was in and out. We have not had technical problems at all with Periscope. And then I'm, people are constantly like, it keeps cutting out, it keeps cutting out. Right in the recording, it didn't cut out. Coincidence? Maybe. I don't know. All of them? Man. I mean, if you think they're all coincidences, you might be more committed to your belief system than I am. You know, you, you might have more faith than I do. Right? But I'd say all that just to illustrate, look, that there is a battle going on biblically, if this is true, and my experience would say that it is, all the time. And that, that when you and I pray, there's a lot more going on than us simply pr- throwing up prayers and walking away. In fact, you know, the Bible doesn't give us lots of details, but the details they do give us, it's like, I'm sorry, what? You know, could you elaborate on that? Like, uh, you just dropped that and walked away? And this is one of those. This is in the book of Daniel, chapter 10. Get this. So Daniel has this vision, 
An angel comes to him and says this, Daniel, God loves you deeply. Side note, if you're here, same is true of you. God loves you deeply. Right? It doesn't matter your past, present, or future. It doesn't matter whether you believe this or not. It doesn't matter what you did last night or this morning. God loves you deeply. Right? And this is how he starts. Daniel, God loves you deeply, and God has heard your prayers since the very first day you humbled yourself. Right? And we're told other places in the Scriptures that God always hears the prayers of his kids. Always. Right? It doesn't take a dozen times until he listens. He hears them the moment, the first time, and he doesn't forget. And he says, I, the angel, have come in answer to your prayers. But here, here's the interesting part. The evil angel prince of this kingdom opposed and blocked me for 21 days. All right, so he prayed 21 days, coincidentally, the same length of our series, and there's no answer. Just crickets on the other side, and he's praying and praying, no answer. And he says, for 21 days, right, you haven't got an answer. And he says, I was opposed in this spiritual battle. So Michael, one of the archangels, intervened to fight for me because I had been blocked from coming to you with the answer. Right, is that like the craziest passage of Scripture you've ever heard? I mean, it's crazy. Right? He says that he prayed. And God heard his prayer. And God sends this angel to go in response to this prayer and answer him. But there's this spiritual battle that goes on behind the scenes and he is blocked from coming to answer this prayer. Right? And, and, and that's, by the way, like all we know. <laughs> it's like all it gives us. You know, and so there's like a lot more questions than answers, but this much we do know that there is a lot more going on when we pray than we realize. A lot more going on. Right? So when those answers are slow in coming, you've got to know. It's not necessarily because God has said no, that he's not good, that he's forgotten about you. There's just a lot more going on than you and I see or realize. All right, number three, God is, this is big, God is actively working out all things for his purposes and our good, even when we can't see it or understand it. And if you've walked through hell and back, like I know a number of you have, this one can sound very trite. And sometimes this is like the last thing we want to hear. Oh, God works out all good things. You know, all things for the good of those who are loved and called according to his purpose. Yeah, I've heard that one before, right? And, and you just got to know, no matter how that might strike you in the season, maybe you're walking through the fire right now. While it might seem or feel trite, because that's not what you want to hear right now, it doesn't make it any less true. Right? Romans 8.28 is maybe the most famous of God's promises in the Scriptures. And this is what it says. It says, and we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Right? And this means that when God's, our requests are denied and God doesn't come through for us, when we're forced to wait, right, there's, there is a reason and a purpose for that. Right? And that God always, always, always has the best intentions in mind for his kids. You know, one of the questions that has come up in the midst of this series is, you know, hey, I, this is new for me to think that I can ask specific things of God. You know, I've always asked for his will to be worked out in my life and for him to make me who he wants me to be and kind of more vague things like that. But asking him for something specific is new and it's uncomfortable. And I'm seeing it in the scriptures, as you're pointing out, but it's just, where's the line? You know, like, where's the line between what's appropriate to ask for and what's inappropriate to ask for? Right? And so you just got to know, like, in the Bible— we are, we are invited to bring all of our requests before God. All of them. No matter how small, no matter how big. Right? No matter how small. If it's big to you, if it's important to you, it's important to God. 
right? As a father, when my girls or my, you know, someday when my son is walking through something, even if it's minuscule, you know, and it's like drama at school and the girls are, you know, like middle school, you know, it's just like, and you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, in 10 years, it's going to be like the dumbest thing, you know, to look back and remember. But if they're struggling and it's important to them as their dad, you know, unless I'm completely heartless, it's important to me. I want to help. You know, and I want to help them through that. Right? God's the same way. And by the way, there's no, your prayers are never too big. You're not going to intimidate God with your prayers. You're not going to offend Him because you believe that He can do anything or that His character is good enough to actually desire to say yes to you. Right? So we are invited to bring all of it, but right, we've got to know that we come to Him as His kids. And kids, especially when they're young, they can't always see the things that mom and dad can see. And they can't always understand the things that mom and dad can understand. You know, and so, you know, we've got these three little ones, and, you know, the, there are certain prayers the girls come to me, and there are certain prayers that are not prayers, but there are certain asks that they make of me that I want to say yes to every single time. You know, so when they come to me and say, Dad, can we cuddle and watch a movie? You know, or Dad, can we do another daddy-daughter date, you know. Uh, Dad, will you play? You know, like for me, it's like, yes. <laughs> yes, I'm going to do everything in my power to answer those asks with a yes every, every single time. You know, when they, they ask, Dad, uh, you know, can we read the Bible together before bed? <laughs> yeah. You know, Dad, would you like us to go into, uh, you know, the other room and watch TV together while you and Mom go in the room and kiss each other? You know, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. You know, Paige has only asked that one once, but if she wants to ask me that more, I'm okay with that. You know, like, I want to say yes to that. <laughs> you know, there's certain, certain asks that as a dad I want to be able to, to say yes to. Right, but, but there are times when I have to say, not now. Not now, you need to wait. You know, and so Paige recently came up to me and she said, Dad, can I, can I have my own iPhone? So-and-so in her class, second grade, has their own iPhone, you know? And without throwing their parents under the bus, I don't know who these people are, but maybe their child has to walk home by themselves from school, which, you know, if they're in second grade doing that, that's another issue. But, you know, maybe it's a safety thing. I don't know. But as a dad, you know, I say, no. <laughs> you know, there's no good reason, you know? No, you don't need an iPhone. And she doesn't understand that because she knows somebody your age that does. You know, but I'm her dad, and, I, and it's not that I don't love her. In fact, it's that I do love her, and I care for her, and she doesn't need an iPhone. You know, and someday she's going to grow up, and she's, she's going to understand that. You know, and, and this is, it's a parallel, right? It's a parallel of our relationship with God. And it can be hard because I think some days that we're really tempted to think, you know, I, I'm, I'm fully capable of being God of my own life. Right? I know what I want. I know what I need. I know why I need it. This makes sense to me. I know the plans that I have for my life. You know? And so I want this thing. I need this thing. But we've got to understand that we have a God who sees what we cannot see and who has our best intentions in mind. And sometimes that means saying no. You know? and, and so like when our kids grow older, especially my daughters, as they grow older, if they want to get a lot of yeses from their dad, there's a couple things they need to understand. Right? And one, the boundaries outside of which I'm always going to say no. Um, and also, the kinds of things that, that I'm going to try to say yes to every single time. You know, and so if they come to me and they're like, hey, Dad, can you buy booze for me and my friends? It's like, no, you're grounded, you know? <laughs> no way. 
You know, or they, they ask me, uh, uh, Dad, can I skip school on Friday to go camping with my friends? It's like, no, you need to go to class. You know, or, or Dad, can I stay out past curfew with Jonathan and this group of friends? It's like, no, who's Jonathan? I will murder Jonathan. <laughs> you know, who are his parents? You know, there's, there's certain things I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say no to, you know, every time. Dad, can, will you buy me this mini skirt? It's like, no, if it has the word mini in it, just assume. No, no, in the Loy house, no mini, anything, you know. There's certain things I'm going to say no to every single time. And, and eventually, the thing is, that eventually they're going to know better than they do now. They're going to know my heart. They're going to know my character. They're going to know those boundaries and the kinds of things I want to be able to say yes to. And sometimes they're going to understand when I say no. And sometimes they're going to understand when I say wait. And sometimes they're not going to understand. And those are going to be the hard ones. And it's no different with us. And those are the hard ones, aren't they? All right, sometimes God has other plans. Uh, plans that we can't see yet or understand, but they're better. And sometimes the thing that we need most is the thing that we want least. Right? And sometimes there's a work that God needs to do in us to prepare us for the yes. Because we can't handle the yes yet. And there's some work that needs to be done there. And sometimes he says no, and we will never know why. Right? And our, our hope that we cling to and the confidence that we have is that God is a good, loving, heavenly Father who knows and sees what we cannot and is constantly working every answered prayer and unanswered prayer out, every circumstance out for his purposes and our good. And lastly, uh, I'll land with this. Number four, unless God clearly says no, keep on praying and don't give up. Unless he clearly and definitively says no, keep on going after him in prayer. Right, there's a, a passage in Luke 18. Jesus shares uh, one of the most, in my mind, jolting parables. And it is straightforward there's not a lot of mystery to it. In fact, in the first sentence, it tells you precisely what this parable is about. But it is such a vivid illustration of what we're invited to. Listen to this, beginning in verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Right? He says this is the whole point. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with this plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. Right, I've been wronged. I've been mistreated. Judge rightly and give me justice. And for some time, he did refuse. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. I love it. And the Lord said, Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. All right, this is one of the most boldest, the most bold and straightforward invitations you will ever hear. And Jesus says, this is how we are invited to approach the king, the creator in prayer. Right, there's only two characters in this story. Right, there's the judge who sits at the top of the social totem pole, 
has complete power and authority and stature, is highly respected, and has the ability to carry out judgment. Right? And then we have this, this woman, this widow, bottom of the social ladder, no power, no authority, clearly has boundary issues. Right? She comes to him outside of the legal means. Right? She should be waiting for her court date. Instead, she's pounded on the front door and just said, will not take no for an answer. And Jesus says, that's how you pray. That's how you're invited to pray. Right? Stop the dignified stuff. Don't wait for your day in court. Right? Don't just give up. Keep on pestering me. Keep on praying. Don't give up. Pray, 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 pray. Right? I love this, this line. It says, I will give her justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And other translations do it even better. It says this, I will give her justice so that she will not eventually beat me down by her continual coming. She is wearing me out with her constant requests. I love that. God says, come to me like that. I want you to. It's, it's, it's not shooting a text message off to heaven and walking away. It's, this is boxing terminology. He says, this is blood, sweat, and tears. Don't give up. Right? Step into the ring. Go 12 rounds with me. Show me that you want this. Show me that you believe. Keep on praying. Don't give up. Right? The only difference in this parable between an answered request and an unanswered request was persistence. That this woman would simply not give up. And Jesus says, prayer is not all that different. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Right? The judge knew that she was not going to give up until she got a yes. Right? And so my ask, my, my question for you this morning is, does the judge know that about you? Does he know this guy is not going to stop? Right? This woman is going to keep on coming to me with this thing. And eventually I'm just going to have to say yes. Does the judge know that about you? Right? Do not make the mistake of thinking that wait and no are synonymous. Right? They're not the same thing. A, deli- a delay is not necessarily a denial. No is not the same thing as not yet. In fact, in the Bible, we have lots of prayers where God is just waiting. And he didn't say no. It looks like that at first, but what he's, he's just saying not yet. Right? Hannah had to wait years for the baby that, that she prayed that God would give her. Right? Joseph has this dream and vision of becoming a ruler as a young boy, but he would spend 14 years in prison for a crime he did not commit, 14 years in a prison waiting, but that prayer was eventually answered, that vision. Right? Moses waited 40 years in the wilderness, the first 40 years, before finally discovering what his purpose was in life. Right? Uh, Abraham waited 100 years to finally have his first son, Isaac, uh, with Sarah. Right, this child that had been promised years before, but there was waiting for years before God said yes. Right, Noah had to wait 120 year, 20 years before it rained. Right, God waited thousands of years before sending the Messiah. Right, but all of those prayers and plans were answered, but there was waiting involved. And so often we just we get in a hurry because we are hurried people, but God is not in a hurry. Right, we, we can hurry into assuming that God's not listening, God said no, God doesn't care, God doesn't, isn't good. But God is not in a hurry. Right? He does hear us. He does care. He is good. And he invites us to keep on asking. I have two pages of notes, but we're going to close in prayer for your sake. All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Lord God, I, my heart's desire in this is that we, as Mosaic, would become a people characterized by relentless prayer. Right, that we would not grow impatient when the, the answers don't come. 
as we want them to. That you would grow us in faith to, to have faith that you are a heavenly father who loves his kids and who sees so many things we can't see. Right? And who understands what we cannot understand and grasps what we cannot grasp, but who is always working things out for your purposes and our good. Make us into a people who are characterized by relentless prayer. And Lord God, I just, I know there are so many requests that we continue to circle in prayer as a community. And, and we're going to keep praying. And I ask that you would answer with an authoritative yes in your timing. Because you are good. Because you hear us. And Lord God, I pray for those who are listening in, who are, who are in the room, right? And they struggle to believe and maybe part of their journey involves deep wounds in which they did cry out for you to you for help. And maybe it was just in a moment of desperation and you didn't come through for them in the way that they wanted and they have struggled to trust you and believe ever since. And Lord God, in this, in this moment, as they walk out of here and even as we sing this next song together as a community, I ask, Lord God, that you would speak into their heart and reveal that you are good, that you are present, that that prayer did not fall on deaf ears, but that you are listening, you heard it. And that no and not yet are not the same thing. And a delay is not the same thing as a denial. And not right now is not the same thing as never. But that you care and you are working out all things for our good and your purposes in this world, Lord God. And so God, we come before you as a community of people, as your kids, understanding that there is so much that we do not grasp about what you're doing in the world. But God, that you are, you are sovereign and we are not. And you are all-powerful and knowing and we are not. And we humbly come before you with our hands open, with our prayer requests in open hands, Lord God, and ask that you do what you will. Make us into that kind of people. We pray these things, Lord, in your name. Amen.